0: Hey everybody, Pastor Mike here, and uh, today I'm sitting with Pastor Jay English. Jay is also the founder and executive director of uh, Plain English. Is it a not-for-profit that uh, resources the community? And uh, Jay, thank you so much for being willing to sit with us today. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah. Glad to be here and be able to do this. Yeah. Um, so I saw a video that Jay posted uh, about a week ago in response to some of the events that have been happening in our nation. And, uh, and I just have to say, Jay, it, it really moved me at, at a profound, uh, visceral level. And so thank you so much for posting that, and for the rawness that you expl- kind of displayed in that video. Yeah. And I just thought that if we could just have a short conversation about some of the stuff that you unpacked in that video that, um, that spoke to me and, and, and speaks to the suburban white church. I think that'd be great today,
1: so. I'm looking forward to this.
0: Yeah. So tell me, how did the, uh, the death of George Floyd uh, affect you
1: personally as an African-American man? For me personally, it was, I feel like something broke. Kind of inside of me, if I'm being you know completely honest, Um, there are there's a level of things that I'm already aware of that happen on a regular basis. Um, There are things that go happen to me personally. There's things that happen to friends and family of mine that I'm fully aware of. But to to literally watch someone's life be taken, Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. that's that's where it's at. It's not something you hear. It's not something that someone tells you. It's not a story that's shared. Um, it's not an image that's blurred out. It's not like all of the things that um, we can typically compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. This was, I'm watching this man die. Yeah. Um, something inside of me broke. You know, I think there's a level of hope that I had had for society um, to be able to come to a place of resolution that I don't know. I don't know if I have that hope right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm trying to to navigate that. Um, along with being a Christian, along with, you know, maintaining my walk and my relationships. So from watching that, it, it, it deeply affected me. Yeah. And it also sounds
0: like it resonated deeply with your own personal experience growing up as an
1: African-American. Absolutely. I felt like that could have been me. Yeah. That, that that could have happened to me on a number of occasions. Mm-hmm. So to to see that and see someone that looked like me um, and then to realize that he at any point, the officer could have just stood up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at any point, and that gentleman, regardless of what he did or didn't do, would still be here. So one of the big learning points for me watching your video
0: uh, that really broke me was that your experience of growing up in America has been completely different than my experience growing up in America, mm-hmm. and um, and that just that just grieved me. But I'm wondering if you could unpack that a little bit. That
1: sure. was that was so hard good for me to hear? Sure. So for me, it was, it was really growing up, in, growing up in two worlds. Um, I lived in a neighborhood that was predominantly African-American and Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of our neighbors on both sides of the house were Hispanic families, um, and everyone else around us was African-American and on the surrounding blocks. And then my mother sent me to a private school that was outside of my neighborhood, and that was completely Caucasian. Uh, typically, I was one of the few African-Americans in my class. You know, it wasn't I got a little older, a few, there was a few others that started coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, the sports teams that I played on, if, if I wasn't the only one, maybe there was one or two others. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we would travel, when we would go places, anything we did, even in competing in academics and things along that line where we would go out and, you know, compete in spelling bees and, you know, memorization and all these other things. Typically, I was one of the few African-Americans as well. Yeah. So... Very much lived in two different worlds. And you were treated differently because of your skin color. Absolutely. Um, I can remember just growing up, even as a, as a child, uh, one of my first experiences with just race in general, I went to school we had a an well, easy project. Hey, draw a picture of the person that sits next to you and then color them. Mm-hmm. I remember being in kindergarten and someone handing me the paper what they drew of me, and it was with a black crayon. And I was really confused I mean I'm a, I'm a kid but I can I can look I know this is black <laughs> okay this, this, this is black yeah this is black <laughs> this is not so much black this is a nice chocolate brown right here <laughs> and all I remember thinking is why didn't you use the brown crayon mm. yeah. yeah brown yeah um, because I was uh, kindergarten that was kindergarten yeah. um, growing up and people want you know kids can I touch your hair? I don't want to be touched. I'm not a pet. I'm I'm not—I'm not—I'm not—this is not the zoo. Um, You know, comments being made about where you live and you live in the ghetto. And um, I remember my sister, who was four years younger than me, there was a a report that she came home and was asked to write about what it would have been like living in the big White House back in the 1800s. Mm. And she came home and she was— third, fourth grade, she's all happy about getting to write about it. She brings it to my mother. My mother looked at her and said, uh, sweetie, you would not have lived in the big white house back in the 1800s. Let's talk about where you really would have lived and let's write this report. So even some of the things that we were asked to do from an education standpoint, that was so culturally deaf and not understanding that the experience of living at the plantation in the big white house would have looked very different for someone like me as compared to someone like you writing the same report. Right. Um, So, you know, experiencing all those different type of things um, played a big role in in noticing the difference in the experiences between where I lived, where I'm at the church, Mm -hmm. and then this other world that I had to learn to navigate that neither of them looked anything alike. Very different. Very different. Yeah, yeah. And those
0: experiences— continued into your adult years you know you you told a story about um driving away from your apartment complex yes as as an
1: adult yes and uh, stealing my own car yeah yeah (laughs) we can you retell that incident i can so uh middle of winter and it's cold outside my mother had bought me a toyota corolla nice red corolla i I had one of those look freshman year of college i came home for christmas and there was a car in the driveway with a bow on it and that was this was my car and you know i have graduated college still had the car had my first apartment um and anybody that's ever had your first apartment you know that's a big deal and middle of winter she put an automatic starter on the car for me which was amazing So I could start the car from inside the house. What a mom. Oh, man. Amazing. Had the car, you know, 85 degrees when I get into it. And I remember starting the car, let it run for about 10 minutes. Uh, Went out the front door of my apartment, uh, went down the steps, came out of the the main entrance, Mm -hmm. got in the car, Mm -hmm. backed out of the parking lot. And I literally may have driven 50 feet, not even out of the parking area. Mm -hmm. Whoop, whoop. Didn't do like literally. I'm in the car. I did nothing. I did nothing. (laughs) I left my apartment complex. Yes, I've done nothing. Uh, The officer came to the door to my driver's window, and his the way he approached me like it it made me angry right off the bat. um, The way he spoke to me, Mm -hmm. and I think there's I've had officers pull me over before, and I didn't agree with why they pulled me over, but at least how they treated me, Mm -hmm. I felt respected by it. They were they were respectful to me. I was easily able to be respectful for them. He was not. Um, it was literally where are you going? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, whose car is this? It's mine. Let me see license and registration. OK. You know, and I'm I've been taught, hey, it's certain things you do and don't do. My hands are here. I'm not reaching for license and registration until you tell me. Um, And then I'm going to tell you exactly where it is. You know, say, officer, my registration is over here in my glove compartment. Can I reach for it? Mm -hmm. Yes, go ahead and get it. Okay. I grabbed it. I pulled it out. Uh, My wallet's in my pocket. I'm reaching into my my pocket to get my wallet. I'm going to give you my driver's license. Handed him both of those. And he looks at them and he says, I asked you whose car this is. Your name is not on this registration. This is your mom's car. The registration officer says Barbara English That's my mother She purchased this car for me as a gift The car's in her name uh, My name is James English Per my driver's license I'm her son mm-hmm. It is my car That's my mother
0: mm-hmm.
1: Why did you pull me over? Good question Well I, you know I, I was patrolling this area And um, I, I was sitting there And I noticed the car was running and I, I saw I saw someone come out of a building and just get into it and pull off. And it's these moments where, you know, for me, I struggle in these moments, and I don't think a lot of people do because there's a level of anger you have mm-hmm. um, because I did something that normal people do every day. Right. They walk out of their home, they get into a car, and they pull off. Mm-hmm. And you pull me over. Yeah. Um, you know, and I I, I had to. Make sure I didn't be too sarcastic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But a little bit cryptic. in Okay so officer I hear what you're saying What you're saying is you saw a car that was running You saw me leave the building And get into it and pull off Correct Mm -hmm. that's what I'm hearing you say Yes yes that's what I'm saying So officer People in this world have automatic Starters Mm -hmm. I have one It's 22 degrees Outside I do not enjoy getting into a cold car. (laughs) I started my car from my window upstairs from my apartment. I let it run for 10 minutes, and you're exactly right. I walked down my steps, I got into my car, and I pulled off. And you thought I stole my own car. And on the video,
0: you just walk us through a tour de force of how this happens to you again and again and again. And you have to navigate all this craziness, and then you still have to show up for work. Yes, and be civil. Be civil.
1: Yes. Yeah, can you speak to that? Yes, I think there's a a level of frustration that many African Americans carry daily that we have just learned to deal with. We've learned to suck it up. We've learned to operate with, and we carry that burden, Um, regardless of how frustrated you are or how angry you are at what's happening to you or literally what's going on in your life just as of 10 or 15 minutes ago, I still have to go to work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and no one is feeling sorry for me. No one is feeling bad for me. No one is, uh, you know, asking me if I need some time or anything like that. I'm still expected Mm -hmm. to perform at a certain level. I'm still expected to have a smile on my face. I'm still expected to uh, follow through on the responsibilities that I have. Mm -hmm. And that's difficult. That's an added weight that many of us carry every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, and people don't realize that. So when many of us say I'm tired mm-hmm. or being African-Americans is, is exhausting because I have to carry all of this mm-hmm. and then still perform yeah. Yeah. and perform at a level that still allows me to be relevant in a predominantly white culture. Mm-hmm. I can't just perform at an average level.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, my family taught me very honestly, if you're going to be successful in a predominantly white world, you're going to have to be twice as good. Wow. That's what I was taught. That's what I live by.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it has worked. If I'd be, if I were to be completely honest with you, mm-hmm. um, I was taught: if you and the person next to you, who is Caucasian, has the exact same work ethic, the exact same standards, the exact same resume, they will pick him over you. Wow. So you have to be better. So this is your this is your constant experience. Yes,
0: and um, you perpetually feel as if your rights are being denied to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the suburban church has had that same experience in the quarantine of COVID nineteen, and um, and you've explained that there's this level of disconnect between the outrage that we feel for a few months mm-hmm. of having our rights impinged upon us yes. from us, and um, and what you you experience on a daily basis. Yes. Yeah. Can you speak to uh, the
1: The white church About that (laughs) I can (laughs) You all It's funny I I honestly So I'm one of the people I sit back and I laugh about it Um, I watch the news And I see the outrage Mm -hmm. Understandably so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When You feel your freedoms Are being infringed on And I hear the word oppression being thrown around a lot right now. We're... By a certain segment of the the white church. Yes, we're being oppressed. The government is taking our rights away. Uh, This is not America. Mm -hmm. This is not American. Um, You cannot tell us. You cannot do these things. You cannot, you know, make a blanket law that I have to be in my home and I cannot open my business and I cannot operate. I hear you. Yeah. You're like, welcome to my work. Yes. Welcome! Mm-hmm. This is what I live in every day. So I see the outrage, and then I ask the question if you're that outraged about this after three months, mm-hmm. why can you not understand when I tell you I'm outraged? I've been here for 40 years. Yeah. And I've been having to navigate not being able to go certain places, not being able to drive through certain areas. There are certain places I drive through, and I'm scared to death.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, We did a road trip to go see my cousin graduate from University of Missouri last year. Mm -hmm. And it was an eight-hour road trip, and my wonderful GPS took me through the back way, which was going to save me a lot of time. Uh And I didn't realize. (laughs) That's not always helpful. (laughs) That's not always the best for people like me. So myself Uh and my Hispanic wife (laughs) are driving through areas that have populations of 350 people. Well, I know these populations of 350 people, there's probably not but maybe one of me, and I'm he (laughs) right now. um, These are places where I'm not going to stop on the side of the road. I'm not going to pull over and ask for instructions. I'm not going to stop for gas um, because there are things that happen to people that look like us Mm -hmm. in certain areas that are out of view and in the back ways. And we have been taught for a very long time that there's certain places you don't go, there's certain places you don't stop. Uh, yeah. There's certain places you do not want to get pulled over in. Yeah. So here, the speed limit is 35. I'm doing 30. Mm-hmm. I might do 25, except I'm scared you pull me over for going too slow. <laughs> <laughs> and this is
0: constantly going on in the radar, uh, the, Absolutely. The, the background. of Absolutely. How you're thinking? What am I doing? Where am I going? And so when the suburban, you know, folks are saying, "Hey, our rights are being impinged upon us," you're kind of like, "This is my reality." Yes. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah, So there is a point in the video when I felt like you were speaking directly to me. Yeah. And, and when you were talking, talking about George Floyd's death and you said something like, you cannot say that you love me and say you're okay with this. Mm-hmm. And, and that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, you're absolutely right. I can't be okay with this. And, um, and so my, my question is, is what does someone like me do? You know, what would you say to someone like me? I,
1: I'm not okay with that. Yes. Um, but, but what do I do? I think there's a couple of things. Number one, be open to these type of conversations, um, I think so many times you know and if I can generalize for a bit in my experience when I'm having ca- uh, friends conversations with my Caucasian friends, mm-hmm. there is definitely always the question of what action can I take mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. um, The problem sometimes is as I give an action or I say here's what you can do, they will go do that and then that's the end. Mm-hmm. They'll do that action whatever that might be and and well hey I did what you told me to do and they'll go back to their their regular way of life. Mm-hmm. I feel like, It has to be something more than just an action. Start with these conversations. It's starting with the learning, it's starting with the education. Can you start understanding what has been going on behind the scenes? Mm -hmm. So we saw that officer do what he did in broad daylight with people all around, cameras real. Knowing he's on camera. Mm -hmm. How many more people has he done that to when there was no one around? Mm -hmm. No cameras. Mm -hmm. And the daylight sun was not shining down on him. Mm-hmm. Is it possible this is a bigger issue than what we realize? Mm-hmm. We saw a number of other police officers stand around and watch yeah. and That's not step art. in. Yeah. Is it possible there's more than just a few bad apples? Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. there's a ton of great ones. Mm-hmm. It's listening. And I feel like that's what's missing a lot of times. It's listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked the question of how many minorities do you have speaking into your life right now? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it's not just the actions. It's, it's understanding what's going on. It's being able to learn what inherent biases you may actually have and deal with mm-hmm. and don't even realize it. Yep. And I can answer that question.
0: Zero. You know, so yes. I'm I'm on the very beginning end of this this learning phase yes. right now, where I'm like I, I I watched that video and it's a long video, it's an hour and twenty minutes, yes. and I said I have to watch this again. As as uncomfortable as this makes me feel, um, it's touching something uh, in my life, some indifference, some apathy. That uh, to be honest, I may not want to go there, but I. If I want to become the person that God wants me to become, I I need to go there. Amen. I need to go there.